You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Thank you for joining us on Wealth Tech on Deck. This is where we talk with industry leaders about the future of digital and human advice. Much like I do every day with people around the wealth tech space, you're about to listen in on a conversation where we are going to talk about enabling advisors and their clients and firms to enjoy improved financial outcomes for all. So today, we're here with Samantha Russell, who's the chief evangelist at FMG Suite. She's one of the leading industry voices on marketing for financial advisors and firms. We also have our own Matt Nolman. Matt is the VP of Marketing at Lifefield and has dramatically elevated the digital experience that Lifefield provides our investors, advisors, and firms. These are two people I pay very close attention to when it comes to conveying a message in our financial world through digital means. So Samantha and Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Thanks, Jack. It's nice to step out from the producer role once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're you're wearing two hats, but... uh, Glad both are happening. And Jack, I'm sure people tell you this, but you have such a good podcast voice. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, who, who knew? <laughs> who knew? As we like to joke, and Matt, who is ever the millennial and I am ever not, that uh, actually one of our colleagues said when we talked about doing this idea, I said, but Jack, you're not a millennial. So I guess only millennials are supposed to have podcasts. Well, I'm, I'm a baby boomer that uh, is fighting that trend. So, but thank you. I appreciate you're it, welcome. Samantha. So Samantha, tell me like to hear about your journey. I know it's interesting. We chatted a little bit before. How'd you get your start? Uh, what led you to uh, go from 20 over 10, your prior company, to FMG? So we'd like to learn about that. And uh, what does your role as chief evangelist at uh, FMG Suite look like uh, post-acquisition? So tell us about yourself. Yeah. So a little bit of backstory for those not familiar. 20 over 10 was started just about six years ago. My husband, Ryan Russell, was one of the co-founders and he is a professor of design at Penn State University and really just sort of fell into discovering this problem. It was actually probably about eight years ago that he noticed it when he was working on a design project with a financial services institution that all of the individual reps or advisors affiliated with that firm had basically the exact same web presence. So the same website, same photos, same verbiage, just a different logo slept on it. And he thought that was really weird and started digging into it and learned a ton about compliance and how it was really difficult, especially, you know, almost a decade ago to have a a digital presence and remain compliant. And this was right about the same time that Squarespace, if anyone's familiar with that, or Wix or Weebly, all of these kind of drag and drop modular approach website builders were coming on the market. And he said, uh, you know, this would be amazing if we could build a model where it was this really easy to use website. Uh, platform, but for financial services and keep them compliant. And so he set out to do that. It took about two years um, with some of his co-founders to create it. And then when they were ready to go to market, I came on board to help with sales and marketing. So we were a really small team, um, but just in about five years, we grew from the four original co-founders and myself to a team of 36 people. And just this past November of 2020, we ended up selling to one of our biggest competitors, uh, FMG Suite. So 
My new role at FMG is chief evangelist. And really what that means, my mom was joking. She was like, wait, did you leave marketing to join some religious organization? (laughs) She was so confused. But, um, you know, if you look at a lot of the tech companies out there, they have these chief evangelist roles. And it's because when we're talking about emerging technologies or emerging markets, there's a lot that people don't even know, right? So to get them to think about using your technology to solve a problem, they first need to learn about the problem and learn about possible solutions. And there's a lot of learning that goes into it. So my job is to educate, to talk about these emerging trends, and then take a lot of the feedback we hear from advisors on the ground, their home offices, and bring that back to our product team so they can develop better products to serve our audience. Great. Okay, now I'm going to ask you some more questions in a little bit, but just a, a note to our audience who are used to hearing people that are developing strategy for wealth tech platforms or for uh, wealth management firms. We purposely invited uh, Samantha and asked Matt to join along because, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, two of the brightest lights I, th- I see in the industry about communicating about all this stuff. We live in a digital world, um, especially in this time of COVID. I mean, we're all online staring at our phones and computer screens about what we're going to watch for that night for Netflix, what we're going to order out. What, what, it's all online. Everything's online. And uh, and these two really get it in a business where I think it's going to be really important as people embrace and adopt more holistic solutions to help their clients. But it all happens online and how we communicate. So we'll, we'll talk some more about it in just a little bit. But for those tuning in saying, where's the strategy? Well, you're listening to it. So, Matt, talk a little bit, if you will. You have an interesting background. You're relatively new to financial services after having done a number of startups, but you're definitely a digital native. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background as well? Sure. Thanks, Jack. So uh, I got my start working at a few different tech startups in different industries. Those experiences really gave me a solid foundation of marketing knowledge and a real understanding of the technology systems that we need to succeed in marketing today. So more recently, I managed social media and a pretty high paid content promotion budget across all social channels at Putnam Investments, which is where I got my start in financial services and where I got my real understanding of the advisor audience. And that's what led me to LifeYield, where now at LifeYield, I lead our marketing efforts across our brand, our website, email and newsletters, social media content, paid ads, account-based marketing, and as Jack alluded to earlier, our entire digital experience. And so far, it's been an amazing ride, and I'm really excited about the work that we're putting out this year. And we're going to talk about a shift that we've made at LifeField from uh, largely focused on the advisor to one focused on the enterprise, which serves the advisor. We'll talk some more about that in just a little bit. But Samantha, if I could, back to you. As you merged with FMG Suite, talk a little bit about that organization. I know there's some history behind that. Some people might be familiar with that might provide some context and talk about the transition, some of the things you've learned. And then where do you, where's this all going? You know, this communication thing, this digital experience thing. Talk a little bit about what you found and what you're learning and where you think it might go. Yeah. So um, some listeners might be familiar with a company called Emerald that was around forever ago. Craig Faulkner was the CEO and founder of that. And that platform was actually sold to Broadridge, which some of our listeners might use or their advisors might use, and which is a competitor of FMG Suite. So after Craig had sold that company a few years later, he started FMG Suite. And the idea was to go beyond just providing websites, but to really think about 
all of the tools, hence the name suite, the suite of tools that people would need to, to have an effective digital presence. We've really pivoted a lot. We work with a lot of enterprise organizations still, but we also work with a lot of just individual advisors. And I think one that's such a huge benefit to us, unlike some other organizations where they're really um, thinking always about the enterprise. You, While that's a good thing, obviously, you want to think about the enterprise. Ultimately, the enterprise is trying to best serve the individual advisors that make up the enterprise, right? And so when we're able to hear and work with a lot of those individual advisors who actually have to use the software, we get the best feedback on not just what's going to make the home office's um, you know, compliance easiest, but what's actually going to move the needle in marketing. Because a lot of the strategies firms have used for a long time, you know, they they're not working anymore. Uh, people are too smart on social media. They can identify when something wasn't written by the person sharing it and it seems really canned and not authentic. So we're seeking to solve that problem to make communications both compliant, but still impactful and producing ROI. Smith, just to follow up, if, if I could, as I'm, my whole life is digital at this point, I even text my wife when she's sitting next to me. It's a little <laughs> bit of a joke, but not far off. But that's how we live. That's how that's where where we are in terms of our communication. If you just expand on a little bit about being effective in communicating, I mean that's ultimately what this whole confluence, as we call it, confluence of digital and human advice. It's about being effective in communicating complex topics. So, how do you advise advisors, Matt? I'm going to ask you a, a variation on that for enterprises, but specifically for advisors. How do you be effective in communicating? So that it moves the needle. So the investor has a better outcome. The uh, advisor uh, offers a better offering, comprehensive offering. Talk a little bit about that. How do you how do you advise on that? How do you show them how to do that well? Yeah, people will sometimes ask me like, "What's the number one hire I could make for my marketing team?" And I'll often tell them a great copywriter because writing copy that engages your audience is one of the biggest parts of the battle. And I think when we're surfing social media, when we're looking in our inbox, when we land on a website, think about our own behavior. We no longer, we don't read text online the way we read it in a book or a magazine. We don't read every line. We, we do the scroll and scan, as I call it. So you need your copy to be incredibly engaging, short and sweet. It should be written so that a sixth grader would understand it because you don't know that people are going to sit there and take a lot of time to read it. So you need to catch their attention. You need to always be writing with the what's in it for me mindset. So as I'm on social media, I'm thinking, why does this pertain or matter to me? And that's what you're thinking and what Matt's thinking. So always put yourself in the mindset of what the other person is thinking. So instead of, you know, I just wrote this blog post about market volatility, you would say, does all this market volatility have you wondering what to do with your 401k? And I might say, yes, it does. I want to read that, right? So always thinking about how can I craft my message so that the person scanning social media, their inbox, whatever, is going to say, oh, yes, I, I was just thinking about that this morning. This person is talking to me. Spot on. Brilliant. So, Matthew, talk a little bit about that because you, when you joined us, it's been a little over a year at, at Life. You've, you've accomplished so much so fast. Our, our initial orientation was to how do we ad, ad, ad drive at advisors? And we signed up for 400 RAA firms. We really had great success. We found, though, that it's there's a lot of complexity to it. They need a lot of handholding, given the complexity of what we do and how we do it and so forth, just the nature of, of uh, a holistic approach to managing wealth. And so what we determined is to focus on enterprises who have the wherewithal, the capital, the 
staff to, to build platforms to make it better, whether those platforms are called Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch or Orion or InvestNet. We want to make it easier for the ad- advisor to be able to do what they do using our capabilities along with many others because we're, we're not the one and only, although we, we would argue we play a vital role. That all said, I know you're a big fan of uh, being effective in communication. I'm sure you have some thoughts on copywriting. So talk a little bit about that and the different ways that LifeField communicates its value and engages its audience. Sure. Actually, Jack, it's been 18 months now, so it's been flying by faster than faster than uh, either of us, I think, realize. But, True. you know, our enterprise shift that we just went through really was about uh, aligning our marketing and our sales efforts with our strongest revenue streams. That's what it comes down to. And that's what we did with everything in our marketing rebrand, our website redesign, and I would say most importantly, our messaging revamp. We basically did it for clarity and conciseness. And like Samantha said, you want to be explaining it to a sixth grader because people don't just go there and read your paragraphs and paragraphs on your website. They scan and they find the the bold items and the most important items that are trying to solve their problem and whatever they came to your website to find. And then they move on. So for us, uh, we wanted to highlight the problems that we solve more clearly and in a concise way and bring those to the forefront of our website, most importantly, and secondarily, all the content that we produce. And in a way that we're, we're now in a position to define a category. The term unified managed household or UMH has really been used throughout the industry for years, for a long time. But only recently has it actually come to the top of all of these big firms' technology roadmaps. And everything that we create now maps back to this core problem that we solve and shows how we enable a unified managed household for firms and the advisors that work there. Great. Great. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that communication channel thing that uh, I know you've been working on. So I want to come back to you if I could and talk a little bit more about this communication. I think we're on to something here. I think this might matter. But talk a little bit about what you've learned, what you share with your clients in terms about being effective in in communicating value and, uh, frankly, winning business. How, how, how do you coach and advise and counsel your your various constituents? Yeah. So, you know, there's two things that I've really just taken off like a rocket ship, two trends, I should say, especially over the last, you know, 18 months or so. 2020 just put so much fuel on things that were already happening and made them so front and center, you can't ignore them anymore. The first is what I call the digital referral shift. So for so long, even, you know, even just a couple of years ago, People would still say things to me like, I don't have a website or I haven't updated my website in 10 years or my website's not important because all of my new business comes from referrals. So it's just going to be, it just needs to be professional looking so people could vet me. What people don't realize is that the way referrals happen today is completely digital for the most part. Yes, somebody might get, you know, your name from a friend, but a lot of times somebody goes on Facebook and they post to their community group, hey, I'm looking for a financial advisor, somebody you've used and trusted, you know, who do you recommend? And then people will leave comments on that post saying, oh, I use Jeff over here or I use Tina at Russell Wealth and they'll link to their websites or to their Facebook pages. And that person is not going to go and set up appointments with 30 people who've been recommended They're going to look at the websites or the Facebook pages for the firms that have been recommended, maybe look and see who's doing the recommending that they trust the most. And then they'll pick a few to set up meetings with, right? So that first impression that your digital presence makes 
it makes such a difference in whether or not you even get out of the running before the, before the competition starts. And the firms that get this right do something really specific. They make sure that all of their digital places online, their LinkedIn page, their Facebook page, their website, most importantly, say the things that they would say in a first meeting with a client Mm -hmm. or a prospect, right? So they don't hope and pray like, oh, it's not that important. They'll call me and I'll get to explain it. They make sure they explain it on their website and on their Facebook page so that they can even get that meeting. The second thing is there's a real trend right now at least in the perception of uh, the average consumer, that a lot of investment management specifically is really commoditized now. You know, it doesn't matter who you go to work with, you're going to get the same returns. Whether or not that's true, and I've been held to task on that, that's a perception, right? And so what doesn't matter so much is whether it's true or not, but whether people perceive it to be true. And so a lot of what uh, firms are still trying to win business over is returns or how well they invest or some novel way they do financial planning where everybody's saying the same thing. And so you really need to hone in on experiences. That is the the big differentiator and the way to communicate why someone should want to work with you. Explain that a little bit more when you say experiences. What is it that you're, what does that look like? Yeah. So like a great example, um, just the other day, I had an advisor tell me that for every one of his clients, he automatically offers now financial planning services for the client's children until they're 26 to coincide with when they get kicked off their parents' insurance, right? So that is a benefit. How many of these parents are, you know, talking to their kids about money and debt and they're not listening or saving for the future or putting a certain amount away, but to have a, you know, certified financial planner or a professional person sit across the table from you and do it in a very adult way is such a different, you know, model and mindset for these young people. And whether or not those, the kids go on to be your client, you can bet your bottom dollar that those parents are going to be forever grateful to that advisor and go tell all their friends about it. Right. So those are the type of things we want to hone in on. Very smart. Very smart. Not surprised. So Matt, I know you and I have talked a good bit about this. We've identified eight communication channels at Lifefield. As we know, hearing from Samantha and we know from others in the marketplace, uh, people get different information in different ways from different places. So talk about the importance of these channels that we've identified and what it means and what are we doing about it? Sure. So for us, uh, we have a very small lean marketing team. Uh, Two of them are talking on this podcast (laughs) right now and we, we only have one more. So for us, we really had to focus our efforts from the start and realized that we couldn't be everywhere. But the reason that we're able to be on eight channels is because we figured out a pretty scalable way to communicate across them in a way that works for us that and our audience uh, is receptive to. So at Life Yields, we really invest in organic social, but mostly from our executives. As Samantha knows, it's really important to enable your team and your people to talk about your brand because people want to hear from people. And uh, that's one thing that we've adopted throughout all of our channels and tried to uh, put together in every communication and thing that we do. Additionally, we have this podcast. Uh, We have three monthly newsletters that all communicate to separate little areas of our niche audience. Some of them are only, you know, 50 or 200 people on the email list. But those are the exact people that we want to be talking to in a specific way. And so we've determined these little niche little channels and using the newsletter as a way to communicate to our three small separate audiences. 
additionally, we have our PR efforts. Um, we're in the news fairly often for a small company, I would, I would say. We're investing a lot in SEO and developing our blog, paid media, webinars, and hopefully soon events. So we're really playing in pretty much every area. And we kind of consider it air cover for all the things that we're doing on the sales side. But the key thing here is that it's not eight individual channels, you know, do, putting out their own marketing message. It's all of them working together to tell our story and get our message out to the audience that we want to reach. Yeah. And if I could amplify a little bit about what Matt's talking about, this is instructive for any, particularly for those that are in a B2B situation with us, where our client list includes Merrill, Morgan Stanley, Ameriprise, SEI, uh, Northwestern Mutual, New York Life. We can go on and on. We have a, a, an extraordinary client list. And our, our focus basically are the C-suite folks that make the decisions, the very senior level folks. It's the people that uh, are the, what we call the architect builders. They're building the platforms that we work with on a day-to-day basis to include our, our software and their capabilities as part of a unified managed household. I'm also appealing to uh, private equity investors and investment bankers. Uh, maybe someday uh, we want, might be part of a, another organization, not unlike what Samantha was able to do. She and her, her partners. But the idea is where we know who our audience is. We know what they are interested in, what they're trying to achieve. And we speak to that. The way we characterize the, our marketing position is that we're, we, we play in traffic. We want to be in the middle of it. We want to be in the middle of the dialogue. That takes place online. It takes place in social media. We want people to come to our website. When they get there, know what we're talking, you know, what, what we do and why it might be of value to them. We're not trying to be all things to all people, just to the people that matter to us and uh, want to be, have a meaningful relationship in that way. Another thing we do uh, that Matt touched on is that we uh, find ourselves speaking a lot of these days webinars, but uh, before conferences and soon to be conferences. So we're very actively involved with a number of organizations, the MMI, the next chapter, which is uh, part of FA Magazine, uh, Investment News. I chair the Future of Advice Summit at uh, Investment News. So we're, we're in the middle of it talking and always trying to add value in whatever we do. How can we add value, whether it's an advisor, it's a firm, or it's an investor? Uh, how can we add value? And that's really all part of what we do. So pardon that brief commercial, but frankly, it's uh, fun and cool, and we're, we're making a difference for our clients. So as we wrap up, I want to thank uh, Samantha and uh, Matt for uh, sharing their perspective. Uh, Samantha, if you would just share with us three key takeaways, what would be useful for our audience to to leave this, maybe apply in their, in their day-to-day. So if you'd share three of them, then Matt, if you'd go next. Yeah, the first thing I think is just to really embrace the idea that this digital referral ship is actually here. It's not going anywhere. It's just going to amp up. And so digital marketing no longer should be a line item that kind of gets whatever's left in your budget. If you want to grow and grow intentionally to find the right clients that are going to be the best fit for your business, you need to put your money where your mouth is, right? So we see a lot of financial advisory firms, the average is spending one to 2% of revenue per year on their marketing budget. But the growth firms, the firms that are actually adding new clients more than they're losing them, they're spending about five to 10%, right? So it's a huge difference um, in percentage. So that's the first thing is, you know, be prepared to really put some budget behind it. The second thing is to get comfortable with, whether it's your own firm or if you're back at the home office with your individual advisors, sharing more personal information online. So again, uh, Matt spoke to this idea that people connect with people, 
not brands. And so whether it is an individual advisor, if it's the CEO of your own company, you need to get people in front of the camera or on a podcast. You need to allow them to be sharing things on social media, leaving comments. There's still so many firms that I work with that the advisors will message me saying, I'm not allowed to leave comments on any social sites because they can't be regulated and monitored. You know, you're never going to grow if we don't get with the times here. So that's really important. And then the third thing would be just remembering that mindset with any of your communications, whether it's for your own company, for the advisors you serve of that, what's in it for me mindset that we all have when we're being inundated every day with messaging and switching all of your messaging to be from a a selling type of information sharing to a teaching type of information sharing. Yeah, Matt, before you go on, I can't help but reinforce something that uh, Samantha shared. And I was just uh, talking with a friend of mine who runs one of the largest digital agencies in the Northeast. And marketing was always sort of an afterthought or uh, over the past many years, it's been almost an afterthought. And it really is, it's a business driver. It's really, I think, the the most important business driver. It's more important than sales. It's more important than product. It's more important than performance. It's it's positioning uh, the value of of your solutions and that orientation. So pardon my soapbox there. But um, Matt, why don't you talk a little bit about your three key takeaways from our discussion today? For sure. So as marketers, we're probably a little biased there, Jack. But uh, at the same time, You know, we talked a lot about executing a lot of these marketing activities, right? And measuring is important and we're definitely measuring as we go. But I think that the most impactful marketing activity or contribution that we did or created this year won't show up on the marketing monthly scorecard. And it is the clarity of messaging and the reworking of our messaging that we did. So my number one key takeaway from today is write for clarity and not for buzzwords. The best feedback that we've received after launching our website is we really understand what you guys do now. And that was the whole point and the whole goal. So write for clarity, not buzzwords. Number two, even if you can't directly measure or quantify the results, it is okay to start an experiment with a new marketing channel. This podcast is probably the next most impactful thing that we've imparted on or done this year for marketing. But the analytics are light. You know, we can only quantify downloads and and listeners to it. But the conversations that it's leading to and the insights that we're able to uncover and what we're able to learn from and about the executives and people that we're talking to, like Samantha, the value of it goes far beyond what can be quantified in an Excel document. And then lastly, especially for small teams, you don't have to be everywhere all at once. So Start with one or two channels and focus on developing those to the best of your ability. And only when you uh, have a scalable process and more time and more resources, that's when you branch into all of the other channels and start to have the full marketing air cover across everything. But you definitely don't have to be everywhere all at once. So don't feel like you need to boil the ocean. Great. Okay. Well, thank you both. I've really enjoyed our conversation and to cap it off as we do each time we do a podcast, I'd like to have you both tell us something uh, interesting or unique you do outside of work that people may not know about you and would find interesting. Samantha, you want to start us off? Sure. I don't think I read that you were going to ask me this, so now I'm not prepared for, <laughs> I guess probably the thing that fills my time the most besides work is my two kids. So I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And 
we love, love, love to be active outside. So we fish, we hike. We just hiked Mount Nittany here in our hometown, State College, Pennsylvania. We have a bicycle set. So we go bike riding. So we do all kinds of outdoor stuff. And then if I'm not doing that or working, there is a book in my hands. I read, I read 58 books in 2020. I, wow. I read a little more than a book a week on all kinds of stuff. And it is definitely a passion of mine. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And sorry to catch you off guard, but you recovered so beautifully. <laughs> That's really interesting. That's so many books that you've read. Um, definitely <laughs> tops of mine, I would say. But uh, anyone who knows me and who's worked with me for longer than five minutes knows that I'm a huge Patriots fan. But my favorite sport to actually play is soccer. And I was a goalie for almost 15 years when I was younger and even won a state championship when I was younger. So played this sport for the majority of my life. And I have to say it definitely made me who I am today. Great. Okay. Well, thank you both so much. This has really been a blast. A little bit unusual for uh, for our podcast. It's still emerging, but we want to look at all angles of uh, digital and human advice and how we all can be effective. So, Samantha Russell, thanks so much for joining us today. Matt, great to spend time with you guys. Look forward to the next time. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com. Thank you.